Hi, I'm Mike Pearl, and I'm here in the bright room with all the lights to answer your Bible questions today. Uh, Jared's behind the camera, and uh, you've been sending in questions. So Jared's going to give me the question, and uh, I'm going to try to find an answer for you. So what's the first question today, Jared? How do I share the gospel of Jesus Christ with my atheist college classmates? Okay, I, atheist, huh? Well, I uh, used to uh, minister on the street a whole lot to college kids, college campus kids, and to the military back, way back during the Vietnam War, back during the 60s and early 70s, on up into the early 80s. And uh, we, if we went out on the street and talked to 10 people, two of them were going to claim to be atheists. That was at the, during the hippie movement and, and following it. Also went to Memphis Academy of Arts, which was a prestigious art college, and uh, got there on scholarship, and uh, half, two-thirds of the people there claimed to be atheists. And so it's a subject we had to deal with quite a bit. Now, uh, I, I read different books by atheists. I uh, uh, have enjoyed reading uh, books. I think uh, Eric Fromm was one of them. I can't remember some of the others, but uh, uh, it's interesting to see the mind of the atheist. It's obvious anytime you read one that he is, uh, he's in a state of conflict, he's in a state of great conflict, and that he's really preaching to himself more than he is to his audience, trying to convince himself that there is no God. Uh, there's always a motivation and agenda there when someone claims to be an atheist. So one of the things that I would do, and was quite effective because many times I would come across someone that said they were an atheist and 45 minutes later they were praising the Lord Jesus Christ for His uh, grace and mercy in saving their soul. And uh, so one of the things I would do, and let's go here to the chalkboard, Jerry, is um, I would uh, say to a person, and <laughs> you, you say there's, you're an atheist, okay? The word atheist is, is no theist. No God, no theist. Now, when a person claims that there's no God, what he's saying is that there's, there's no God inside of him. There's no God in his knowledge, no God in his experience. But he's saying more than that. He's saying that there's no God in me. He's saying that there's no God uh, 100 billion light years away. He's saying that there's no God anywhere in the solar system of the universe. That's a pretty big bite for someone to take. So I draw this circle right here and I say, okay, this circle represents the sum total of your knowledge. And this circle represents the sum total of my knowledge. Okay. Now this person's gone to Memphis State University. Okay. So there's some things you learned in the science department that I don't know. I'm a, I'm a blank over here. I didn't learn that. So if you told me that there was um, a certain piece of equipment or machinery in a certain room, I couldn't dispute that uh, because I've never been there. That's knowledge you hold, I don't hold. But I say right here, I have knowledge of God. And yet you're saying that I, I don't have any knowledge of God, that there is no God, that my knowledge is false. Now, I'm also saying that out here, uh, way out here somewhere, many millions of light years away, is a throne on which God sits and that He is omnipresent, He's everywhere, He's omnipotent, all-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing. Uh, <laughs> I can't spell and write at the same time. God. And uh, so I say that God is, is everywhere. He said He's not. Now, 
I asked him, how can you know that there's no God on the backside of Mars or the backside of the universe somewhere? How can you know there's no God? And his answer is, how can you know there is? Well, we've got a stalemate there, right? How can, how can I, with my limited knowledge, claim there's a God? But the question is, how can he, with his limited knowledge, claim there's not? Now, here's the way I know there's a God. I can't go out there. I can't see what can't be seen. God's unseeable. And uh, I can't give him any empirical evidence, uh, something to touch, handle, and see, an uh, uh, experiment that he can repeat, that there's a God. But what if I said that the God of the universe has penetrated my area of knowledge in revealing himself to me? So he's revealed himself to my consciousness, my mind, my spirit. So I know him. I know him not because I have all knowledge, but because what little knowledge I have, he's made himself known in my experience. So I know God. So how can you, the atheist, say I have not experienced this, that I don't know God? He's basing that on the fact that in his limited knowledge, which is, he would agree is less than 1%, just as my knowledge would be minus 1%. So how can, how can he say that there's not? The question is, how can I say there is a God? My answer is that the way God has revealed himself to me is multiple facet. First of all, it's through, through nature itself. That is, when I walk through the woods and I find a wristwatch lying there, I'm hunting, say I'm squirrel hunting, and I find a wristwatch lying on the ground, I don't pick it up and say, wow, if, if you give a hickory nut tree enough years, look what it'll produce, a, a piece of equipment that runs in sync with the universe. I don't say that. I don't say, well, look what the squirrels have done. I say, oh, some man has been here and lost his watch. In other words, that's testimony, even though I haven't seen the man, that's testimony that, that there has been a man, a human being with intelligence to have created this object right here. So when I come across an intelligent universe, I, I see an intelligent designer by that. So just plain reason, common sense would indicate a designer present in the universe. But beyond that, the God of this design has revealed himself to me through a book, a book which he inspired and produced, I can't, I can't talk, talk and write at the same time, a book which he inspired and produced that speaks of him. That book is the Bible. And uh, the atheist will say, yeah, but there are many holy books in the world. That's true. And there are many books that claim to be from God. That's true. But this one particular book that I'm speaking of vindicates itself to be the book of God. It proves that it's what it claims to be. How does it do that? By doing something that's impossible, predicting the future. This book is full of prophecies that do what Nostradamus would only have wished he could have done, or Gene Dixon, or Edgar Cayce, or somebody else. This, this book gives fine details of the future, three, 4,000 years ahead of time. Prophecies that you can test, clearly test. Go to your library, look it up, go to Israel. Look at, the, look at the areas where it spoke of Tyre and the destruction of Tyre. Go to Babylon, 
Uh, go to Rome. Look, look at what the Bible said about Gaza, about Ashkelon, about Ashdod. Great details are given about events that will occur in the future. And some of those prophecies weren't fulfilled for 200 years. Some were fulfilled a thousand years later. Some were fulfilled 3,000 years later. One great prophecy in Isaiah was only fulfilled in 1996. And it was a prophecy of Jews being taken from Ethiopia in airplanes and brought back to the land of Israel. That prophecy was fulfilled out of Isaiah just uh, 15 years ago. So this book is a book of prophecy that proves that God wrote it. No one else could have written it but God. And so when I open this book and read it, it speaks to my spirit and to my intellect and convinces me that there's a God out there. And so having believed upon that God, having confidence in what that book says, I've experienced a, a psychological, emotional, soulish, spiritual transformation inside, which made me a new creature. It's given me an abundance of life. Uh, 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 it, it's multiplied my humanity many times over by believing upon this God of this book. And uh, it's made me uh, uh, a joyous and more righteous, more tolerable human being. Now, uh, let me turn here in, in the Bible to uh, a passage in uh, Romans. If I can locate it right quick. This is not my Bible. You know how hard it is to find something. You're not looking in your own Bible. I'm in Romans chapter um, 1, I think it is. Um, Romans chapter 1, yeah, verse 28, found it. He said, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. So rejecting God is, a, is an act of spiritual suicide. Uh, saying there is no God is, is damaging to the human soul. And he said, they're filled then with unrighteousness. In other words, the atheist becomes filled with unrighteousness, filled with fornication. You know, if I were living in fornication and pornography and drunkenness and drugs, I'd deny there was a God too, so I could sleep at night, so I could enjoy my sin. And then he says, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, they which commit such things are worthy of death. So most, most people by far, 99 out of 100 people or more, who call themselves atheists are not really atheists. What they are is agnostics. And, and many times I've had so-called atheists admit that, okay, okay, they say, I, I can't say there's no God, but you can't say there is. So I said, well, if, if you can't say there's a God, then that would make you an agnostic. In other words, no knowledge. No knowledge means I have no knowledge that there's a God. Okay, if you have no knowledge that there's a God, and I have knowledge there is, that makes you the student. And so I'm here to share with you the wonderful 
message, the discovery that I've made that in fact there is a God who's alive and can live in each one of us. So there are no real atheists because their knowledge is limited. No matter how intelligent they are, their knowledge is limited. So there are no real atheists. They can claim they are, but what they really are is agnostics. In other words, they're, they're students who haven't learned yet the truth that there's a God out there. So don't, don't be cowed. Don't be put off by someone who claims to be an atheist. Uh, just let the joy of the Lord flow through you and tell them your own experience. You don't have to be an, an intellectual uh, because they're just human beings too and they're hurting inside and they've they got these sins in their lives and they're held prisoner by them and they want to be made free and they're just trying to throw a wall up and put you off. They're trying to appear more um, enlightened than you are to try to shut you up and they're not enlightened at all. So that's what the Bible says and that's found that to be a very effective approach down through the years is a dealt with many people who've claimed to be atheists, and many of them today are fine Christians in Christ. If you would like to ask a Bible question, email us at biblequestions at nogreaterjoy.org or call at 931-805-4820.